0: Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. My name is Danny Flood, and I am super excited today because I have a really interesting guest lined up for you guys. His name is Ben Finnegan. He's a digital nomad that I met in Thailand, and he has one of the most remarkable stories that I personally have heard of. Just wanted to welcome you to the show, Ben.
1: Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I really appreciate it. And I also want to say hi to all your listeners out there.
0: Thank you so much, Benjamin. I'm, I'm really excited for this interview. Um, you're one of the most worldly people I think I've met so far. You are. Um, how old are you now, Ben?
1: I'm, I'm only 26 years old.
0: 26, but uh, you started out kind of as a nomad, not, not a digital nomad, but since age four, I think. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so from the age of four to the age of 14, I traveled the country uh, in the United States as well as the world uh, doing juggling programs, uh, teaching people how to juggle. Uh, it was my family business, and so when I grew up, I grew up sort of in a non-traditional circus family. And so my dad's a professional juggler and uh, I come from a family of professional jugglers where we would travel around, do shows as well as teach people how to juggle. And so by the time I was eight years old, I'd been to every state except for Alaska and (laughs) already been to Mexico, Puerto Rico, uh, Canada, and was planning a uh, European trip at that time. So by the time I was eight, I'd been uh, traveling for quite a while. And so The digital nomad lifestyle, even though it's a new thing for me, the nomad lifestyle is definitely something I'm used to.
0: (laughs) And you're also doing things like uh, fire breathing and fire eating, is that correct?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So towards the end of my uh, circus career, I got really into uh, uh, fire poi. Poi are these, uh, these... balls attached to chains that you can uh, dip in kerosene and light on fire. So I got really into uh, uh, fire breathing, fire dancing, and uh, I really like spitting fire and eating fire. That was one of my favorite things to do. So uh, (laughs) definitely, definitely uh, picked up an interesting skill set and certainly a non-traditional way of growing up.
0: Do you ever go down to the full moon party and uh, just start entertaining everyone (laughs) down
1: there? (laughs) Well, I I actually, when I first moved to to uh, Thailand this was uh, when I first came to Thailand back in uh, two thousand and seven i I actually lived in uh, on Koh Phangan for eight months and uh, I did plenty of full moon parties uh, uh, and did lots of fire spinning fire eating, and all that good stuff
0: <laughs> so you said you first moved out to Thailand in two thousand and seven right
1: yeah, but okay. <laughs> I had yet to discover online business so okay. <laughs> i I actually when I was 15, I moved to China, and uh, I moved out there on sort of a uh, pro contract to fight uh, kickboxing and some organizations out there. And, uh, you know, even though I grew up as a juggler, really my passion was was to fight. And so I love training, I love kickboxing, I love boxing, and uh, I really like wrestling as well. And luckily, out in China, they have a style of... Uh, style of fighting, which incorporates all those aspects, so punching, kicking, and wrestling. And so there's a style out there called sanda, or sansho, where it's punching, kicking, and takedowns, and so it really played to my skill set, (laughs) and... <laughs> when I was 15, I come from a non traditional family. So for them, they were like, oh, yeah, of course, pursue your passion. And so I ended up moving to China and spending the next three years uh, uh, off and on uh, fighting, uh, training, and living at a Buddhist mon- monastery called the uh, Shaolin Temple in Dongfeng, uh, in Henan Province, in China. And so I lived there uh, fighting, training, and, uh, you know, sort of living the nomad lifestyle. <laughs> so you, you went there at age
0: 15. Did your family go with you?
1: No, I actually went uh, on my own. <laughs> uh, my parents are very non-traditional, And so actually the style of business that I'm doing right now, which is e-commerce, they consider to be so conventional. They're worried about me. They're like, oh, man, I I feel like Ben's losing his passion. He needs to be going back and doing some non-traditional, unconventional things. So (laughs) I'm coming from a different sort of mental space for most folks because for a lot of people, they're getting a lot of pullback from their friends, their family, uh, to not leave uh, their their confines of their nine-to-five job. But instead, I'm sort of being uh, pushed (laughs) the other direction where they're saying, please leave. Don't get a nine-to-five job. Instead, go follow your passion." And so that's really the perspective that I'm coming from. And it's uh, a little different from most of the people that I meet out here or uh, uh, hear about on podcasts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'm going to end up
0: laughing a lot more than I usually do during these interviews. <laughs> but uh, so it's, it's better to get your head bashed in by professional fighters than by customers, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. Well, they just want me to to be doing what makes me happy and uh, doing what I'm passionate about. and, and seeing that they're coming from, you know, a, a physical skill perspective, uh, they see something like, uh, like boxing, kickboxing, uh, wrestling or MMA as, uh, more similar to juggling, uh, than, you know, selling, uh, uh, uh products on an e-commerce store. So internet business to them might not make very much sense. And, uh, Uh, The idea of traveling and working online is uh, is a little different because they're used to using a physical skill, uh, or selling physical products, um, and having your own warehouse uh, as sort of the way to make money.
0: That's that's really interesting. So you just had this really unique uh, upbringing, and would you say that um, it's kind of bred you to be a little bit different mental, have a different mentality as a. a as an entrepreneur, and as a person, because, I mean, you never really had a comfort zone established to begin with, because you're always on the move. Um, and then you're you're in the ring, you know, literally, <laughs> at age 15 in a, another country. Would you say that's more yeah, than who I think you are? That,
1: yeah, I certainly think that coming from that uh, background and that perspective has allowed me to not necessarily have the uh, types of hang-ups, that people who take the leap from uh <laughs> from a traditional 9 to 5 to a digital nomad lifestyle typically have and it's also allowed me to free my mind when it comes to different styles of business because I'm I I haven't necessarily read a lot of the same books that most digital nomads have like Tim Ferriss I've I've been a digital nomad now for I guess I've had a profitable online store for uh let's say 16 months now and I've, I've, I've still never read the four hour work week. Um, I have no idea who Dave Asprey is. I, I, I don't, um, read a lot of the same books or have a lot of the same, uh, sort of, uh, content that most digital nomads, uh, have and come from. (laughs) And, uh, I sort of just fell into this digital nomad lifestyle, uh, through my friend Johnny FD who has a podcast and, uh, Uh, He started a drop shipping store, an e-commerce store, about 16 months ago. And because we knew each other from our fighting days down in Phuket, Thailand, uh, I knew the type of person that he was, and I knew that he wouldn't steer me wrong. So as soon as he posted, I made my first sale about 15 or 16 months ago, I I immediately bought the same course that he bought. And uh, ever since then, I've been making money online.
0: Is that course uh, Dropship Lifestyle?
1: Yeah, the course is Dropship Lifestyle, and it's by a guy Anton Crowley, who uh, has a, an incredible system for for developing profitable e commerce stores. Uh, so I started dropshipping about 15 months ago, and uh, or I've been profitable for 15 months. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's certainly a course that I recommend. But you know, there's so many different styles of business out there that everyone needs to find what works for them
0: yeah exactly um, that's one of the things that opened my eyes the most um, when I first came out to well first I went to South America, but then really in Thailand I met so many different nomads and um, it's it's not like what you'd expect really there's there's in my book I profiled ten, uh, close to ten different business types you know um, from freelancing to drop shipping to selling supplements to information products there's so many options out there you know and one of the things that really held me back in the early days is I I felt so overwhelmed by all the information that was being thrown at me.
1: Yeah, so many people, uh, so many people get stuck in analysis paralysis and end up not taking action. And I think that's one of the things that uh, sort of uh, fighting and uh, uh, training and, you know, uh, juggling have also shown me and performing in front of people has shown me that Taking action is the differentiator between people that are successful and people that are not. And a lot of folks uh, acquire all this information but never actually take action on it. And a lot of folks uh, spend a lot of time saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to get ready to do something. It's going to happen next week. It's going to happen next week. It's, it's going to happen tomorrow. And instead, they they don't. Take the time to actually do it right now. And I think that that's the biggest differentiating factor that I've seen myself, uh, not just in online business, but in other types of, of, of uh, lifestyle where people can raise up the ranks. I see a lot of the people at the top are the types of people that take action and actually get things accomplished.
0: And that's, that's the key to transformation and personal growth as well, I think, right? You just got to put yourself, you got to force yourself into the ring, You've got to face down uh, whatever it is you're afraid of. You've got to face down that metaphorical opponent. Um, one, in a past interview, I interviewed my friend uh, Andrew Feraby, and he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he says the only way to advance in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is to like, literally get thrown around. You know, and the more, the more experience you have with you know, being tossed around and, and losing fights, the, the higher you go.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I actually do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu myself and that's in that's an extremely valid uh point. Uh you know, it, especially in martial arts, you see that the people that rise to the top, if if you are new to the sport you'll you'll be like oh wow you know they, they never lose they're always winning uh they're all they've always been successful but you see not just in martial arts but you know in all styles of business that uh people fail all the time so i've had a profitable online store for uh, 15 months now but before that i i already failed two online stores previous to that and since then I've also failed another one. And so, you know, it's just failing multiple times and not being afraid of trying something and failing is sort of the differentiating factor. Another differentiating factor is uh, a lot of people, they try to uh, especially from Western countries try to come up with something perfect and before they release uh, their product, it has to be absolutely perfect. The graphics have to be uh, ideal the uh, back end has to be hundred uh, percent fleshed out they ha- already have to have a sales funnel they already have to have everything and you know instead, maybe uh, I think a lot of the folks that I see um, have a a, a serious level of success, uh, uh, release products, and then sort of build the back end and all that stuff, the marketing around it, uh, sort of as it goes along, and uh, really sort of make something organic. But they come at it from like a plan point of view, they already know what they're going to do ahead of time, but they'd rather take action and then come up with uh, and take action on the plan, then uh, uh, have a well worked out, thought out plan, uh, have it all set up ahead of time, and then release it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the interesting things is that uh, some of the most successful digital nomads or micropreneurs, um, they're able to detach themselves, uh, detach their ego from the business as well. Because I think a lot of people, when they, they start out for themselves, um, they put so much of themselves into the making of the company, into the making of the product. And that's the, that's where that paralysis can kind of kick in, you know, when you you have to release them into the world, and it's like, "Oh God, what if I fail? what if you know it's not received well um, but I think detaching your ego and just you know testing your idea and just detaching yourself from from the business is really valuable as well right
1: absolutely um, oh. at the same time i I feel like uh for some people that that is a driving factor, and you know it's 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 my uh it's my drive to not fail ag- again in the future that uh, allows me to uh, not be afraid of failure. It's, it's like you're learning a new juggling move, <laughs> and um, the first thing that, uh, that you do when you try a new move is you drop, and the reason why is because you don't know it yet. You haven't built those pathways yet to, uh, uh, to really know... Uh, how your body's supposed to move, uh, mentally, the timing, you don't have that down yet. And so, you know, to be able to master a skill, to be able to master a juggling move, to be able to master a, a style of online business, you have to fail and drop multiple times and be okay with dropping, but then also picking it back up and trying again. And I think that that's something that's really important. And something that I really love about this digital nomad community is how many people there are that are willing to to drop and then pick back up again and keep going and and harness their craft and and really get get better and add value and that's something that I really like about this community.
0: Yeah, and one thing I really like about you and what makes you kind of really unique and special, um, and you're also a leader of this kind of one of the leaders in this community, um, but you've. You've taken the hits. I mean, you've encountered the bumps in the road. I mean, I'm just looking at my notes here. And before the call, you told me uh, about how you started your podcast and then your your MacBook kind of melted down after eight months and you, you lost a bunch of stuff. But I mean, you, you when you were a martial artist, you, you did that for three years and then you had like a, a career-ending injury, I think, which uh, forced you to, to stop that. And then I think a few years later, I don't know if we were 22, you were diagnosed with Lyme's disease and then had to go through a year and a half of chemotherapy. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: So actually, um, <laughs> I've been, you know, uh, quote, unquote, quote, fighting as a pro for, you know, six to eight years. Um, okay. depends on depends on if if, if you ask me. Uh, uh, <laughs> what well, while I'm, while I'm feeling up or down, because you know what what happened was I did have uh, a career, some some career and ending injuries, mostly in the knees. So I've actually torn uh, almost all of the ligaments in my knees. So right now I only have one ligament on my right side, and then I have two ligaments in my left side. Um, I also have you know uh, numerous. Uh, surgery, so I have multiple plates in my hands, in my legs, uh, some rods, and a whole bunch of pins. So uh, I've certainly taken the hits uh, physically, and uh, that's part of the motivation for me to uh, get into this online space is that my body just can't keep up anymore. And, you know, it, the reason why I say, uh, you know, if, if if you ask me uh, how long I've been a professional fighter, sometimes I'll say six, sometimes I'll say eight years. Is because for the last two years I was living in Phuket, Thailand, um, and getting ready for my MMA debut, and I ended up tearing my ACL, tearing my MCL, and then uh, I tore another ACL uh, within about a year and a half period of time. And during that period of time, even though I'm still like telling myself that. I could still, you know, fight as a pro and, you know, that's really how I'm making my money. Uh, the reality of the situation is, I had transitioned from uh, really making my the majority of my money from fighting to actually making the majority of my money uh, doing photo and video packages for uh, Australian tourists that were coming into the Muay Thai gym and wanted to, you know, uh, show people on Facebook that they were uh, they were training the real Muay Thai in Thailand. So I was making <laughs> photo and video packages as an intern. For my buddy Michael Galvin, um, who lives down in Phuket, as a, a uh, video and uh, photographer. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, even though I was telling myself that I was, I'm, I'm still a pro fighter, the reality of the situation is that, you know, even though I was training, uh, I wasn't really making uh, any money fighting. Uh, the majority of my income was actually coming from uh, photo and video packages. So that's sort of the first. A uh, real job, quote unquote, real job I had outside of fighting uh, as an adult. And uh, you also touched on <laughs> uh, Lyme's disease. It, it actually wasn't at age 22. It was <laughs> it was actually <laughs> at age 17 that I got diagnosed with Lyme. So uh, for those of you that that aren't familiar with Lyme's disease, Lyme's disease is a uh, is a sort of ec- epidemic that has been sort of swept under the, drug, uh, under, under the rug by, um, by insurance companies and drug companies to sort of uh, tell you that it's not that big of a deal. There are some more and more high-profile people, uh, especially in the digital nomad community, that have it, particularly Tim Ferriss. And he's starting to talk more and more about uh, his, his experience with Lyme. So uh, what happened with me was we were on tour uh, juggling. And, uh, this was way back when I was eight years old and we were actually juggling and doing a show on Long Island. Long Island is, uh, uh, is a, well, aptly named Long Island, uh, uh, in New York and, uh, I ended up getting a bitten by a deer tick uh, while we were camping out there. It's very lush, and uh, it's a big forest. And so we were camping at a uh, national park, or sorry, a state park, and I ended up getting bitten by a deer tick. And the deer tick uh, apparently had Lyme's disease because what happened was I ended up getting this nasty bullseye rash. And what I mean by bullseye rash is it really looks like a bullseye. Uh, It has a red center. And then uh, after that, it's just your natural skin tone. And then about an inch outside of that first first bite uh, or that first red mark, that red center is a big red ring. And so I ended up getting this really nasty, Uh, inflammation uh, where I got bitten and we ended up, uh, you know, uh, taken to the park ranger. And of course, back then there wasn't very much education on it. And so they were like, oh, it's just Lyme's disease. You don't need to worry about it, Uh, sleep on it and he'll be totally fine. Um, (laughs) It turns out uh, what had happened was because I had a strong natural immune system. What had happened was the Lyme disease ended up going into remission. And so it stayed in remission for the next eight years. And then what happened was eight years later when I was in in China, I ended up uh, breaking my arm and uh, twisting my knee. And also the combination of bad food, bad air and bad water ended up bringing my immune system so low that the Lyme disease started to come out. And so what happened was over the course of the next six months, I lost, I went from 155 pounds um, all the way down to uh, uh, just over 100 and ended up uh, at the worst point uh, dipping right below 100. And so uh, I I really lost a lot of weight very quickly quickly. And most of that was muscle mass uh, because I was fighting professionally at the time. So I went from uh, being a, a big, strong you know, athlete to end up uh, basically being bedridden. So I ended up flying back to the States. And then I started doing a protocol given to us by the CDC in Florida um, to help cure Lyme. So what happened was I took a Western blot test which is a, uh, a test that can indicate whether or not you have Lyme's disease. And we ended up uh, realizing, oh my goodness, this whole time I've had Lyme's disease, we just didn't know it. And looking back, I realized that it caused a lot of other issues that we didn't necessarily know at the time. Uh, when I was eight years old, uh, I used to be build in the show as Ben, the master of balance, because I used to be able to, uh, uh, you know, do all sorts of gymnastics, I would uh, juggle uh, (laughs) on a uh, unicycle and do all sorts of other uh, tricks in the show that immediately after being bitten by this tick. I lost my equilibrium. And ever since then, I've had issues with balance. And so looking back now, we realize, looking at the link, that it's actually Lyme's disease that caused a lot of these, uh, these issues that have plagued me since. And uh, we should have been more aware of these underlying issues of Lyme's. But luckily, it stayed in remission enough that I didn't have serious complications until I was 17.
0: Oh my god, that's incredible! So all this time you were you were boxing in China, but you had uh, this—you were dealing with these these issues, right? That were were being caused by the Lyme's disease. You said
1: absolutely. And so, uh, (laughs) when I was uh, seventeen, I moved back to the states. Uh, We started this protocol, and I ended up going on uh, 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 chemotherapy to help uh, kill the Lyme's disease. And so, unfortunately. The science at the time thought that you need to uh, basically break down uh, 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 Lyme's disease by bombarding it with uh, all sorts of chemical drugs. So I was on IV rosefin and I had a PICC line, and they were giving me IV morphine, and I was uh, on all sorts of drugs. And um, they like, were really trying like thinking, to—
0: That's like taking a machine gun to a knife fight almost, though, right? It's— <laughs>
1: Absolutely, it's uh, it's sort of uh, destroyed my natural immune system to the point where um, I didn't have any gut bacteria left. Um, I was coughing up blood. I was having serious issues because um, what happened was it brought down my natural immune system enough. The Western medicine was bringing my natural immune system down enough that. Uh, all sorts of crazy symptoms were happening, and I was starting to get neurological lines where I was having fibromyalgia issues. Where everywhere I would be touched, anywhere there would be a little bit of gravity, I would feel like I was on fire. And uh, there were all sorts of like uh, hallucinations and, and other neurological issues that were coming along. And I still remember to this day uh, waking up and like not remembering who I was, where I was, what I was doing there. Um, I couldn't recognize my my parents' faces. I couldn't re- remember uh, who I was, uh, what year it was. Uh, I even forgot how to eat, uh, how to how to uh, speak. <laughs> it was really difficult at some time. So uh, I know that there's a lot of misinformation about Lyme disease out there, but there is a type of chronic Lyme's uh, that people uh, who are afflicted by it uh, really understand. And there's sort of a, uh, I, I wouldn't want to say a cover up, but there is sort of a uh, brushing under the rug of this serious issue. Uh, if people want more information about it, there is a documentary called Under Our Skin. Um, and it's a Limes documentary following people similar to myself. There's uh, one girl who was a, a really excellent ballet dancer, and she ended up uh, being completely paralyzed uh, because of Limes. So uh, it, it really is a serious issue and a uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, particularly because um, of how much money I believe uh, the the treatments cost because by the time I was eighteen I accrued uh, uh, well over three hundred thousand dollars worth of medical bills and uh, and ended up going back to China uh, and not only fighting but also working in. Import sport business, uh, in Shenzhen, China, uh, to help sort of alleviate the costs and, uh, start making money again.
0: Oh my God, this, that just sounds awful. So you went through this treatment for a year and a half. Um, you said you lost the use of your abilities. Uh, did you ever feel like you were going to die?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, really on my deathbed, um, because the, um, because of the, Chemicals that they were pumping in my body, and the uh, inability to see health as a holistic, uh, from a holistic approach, I, I was really suffering. And uh, ended up, uh, I still remember saying goodbye to my parents, and you know, giving them a hug, and really feeling like I, I was on my deathbed. And um, <laughs> how did you it's, feel? It's when really were... interesting. now.
0: How, what, what did you go through like uh, mentally or emotionally while you were in that experience? I mean, y- did you just resign yourself to it or were you, did you say like, I- I'm going to keep fighting this, you know, or did you just feel like it was helpless?
1: Well, I do have an excellent uh, role model, and that is my brother. Um, <laughs> my brother has cerebral palsy, which means that he's completely paralyzed except for his eyes and his tongue. Um, and he has an extremely severe style of cerebral palsy to where he has no motor control at all. Um, and he's unable to speak. And uh, he ends up, <laughs> he has a, a tracheostomy, uh, so he has assisted breathing. He has a J-tube, which is uh, replaces his... Uh, his stomach, so it goes. Uh, food goes directly into his. Uh, sorry for graphic, graphic listeners. Uh, it's um, it, they pump uh, nutrition directly into his small intestine, and um, you know he has all these different ports all over his body, and so seeing him and seeing his struggle through health his entire life. He's he's in his fifties now. Um, and seeing the dedication that my parents put towards making sure that he has an extremely high quality of life uh, has really sort of motivated me to uh, basically pick myself up and see these physical limitations or um, these physical trials as not really that big of a deal. Because I have this extreme example that I've been living with for my entire life. And looking up to my brother and seeing how positive he is and how he's a beacon of light for not just myself, but everyone that's in his life. And seeing that type of person and how how much uh, perseverance he has, how much uh, uh, happiness he has, not just in his own life, but how much he loves uh, sharing his happiness with other people around him. Uh, even when he's in this extremely dire situation, is really inspiring for me and something that I saw from a young age and has definitely, definitely formed my worldview.
0: So thanks to your brother, um, you never... uh, You carried on to the belief that you were going to make it, that you were going to overcome, because uh, from what I hear of Holocaust survivors, the ones that survived, they, they felt like they had some reason to live. Or they felt like they were, her suffering was caused by, there was some reason why they were suffering. Did you feel that way too?
1: Well, I certainly saw it as a trial. And, you know, I, I've been training, um, basically my whole life. I started Taekwondo when I was four years old and, uh, I started boxing, kickboxing, wrestling. And, you know, I always, in my mind, I thought that I was training myself to face the hardest thing I was ever going to face, and the hardest thing I was ever going to face was going to China and training at the Shaolin Temple, and then it turns out that um, there was a level beyond that. And you know, I went through this brutal training in China, and it turns out that that was just preparing me for the next trials. And the next trials were my battle with health and getting back my health and wellness. And um, <laughs> and the way that I did that was by a complete mind shift. And before Limes. I had sort of blindly trusted uh, uh, authority, and I'd sort of blindly trusted that uh, doctors knew best, and uh, traditional nutritionists knew best, and the CDC was really out to uh, uh, provide the highest quality care. And you know, through my experiences with the health system and the amounts of money that I had to pay for basically something that that did significantly more harm than good, uh, I realize now that. Um, eating a really balanced uh, sort of paleolithic style uh, uh, diet, and really focusing on uh, living a healthy, uh, varied lifestyle with lots of uh, deep thinking, lots of interesting conversations, surrounding yourself with really positive people, having a low stress lifestyle, eating a well-balanced diet, and uh, also really enjoying... um, The people that you're around, the place that you're at, and having a purpose is certainly, certainly, certainly uh, one of the uh, best ways to get all around healthy. And so I've actually, (laughs) I actually, when I was 18, decided uh, that I was going to quit uh, Western medicine uh, because I was really at my weakest point. I had just di- dipped below 100 pounds and I was, basically skull- uh, <laughs> I was basically skin and bones at this point and extremely unhealthy. I couldn't eat anything because the natural flora and fauna in my gut had been completely destroyed. And, um, you know, basically all the line- live enzymes in my body were, 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 were gone. And so I needed to replenish that and I, I had always been following sort of the uh, diet protocols that um, that the doctors um, or the or the Western medicine protocols that my doctors would be giving me, and I really took ownership over that. Uh, and one day, I just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm I'm probably gonna die. <laughs> I, I really felt like I was gonna die in the next year or so, and. Um, I I felt like I really needed to take ownership over my own health and do what my body was telling me. And so I got sort of into a Zen state and uh, listened to my body and realized that what I really wanted at that time was really strong fermented foods. So I started eating kimchi and sauerkraut and uh, uh, kumbacha and all sorts of other probiotics. Um, just because I started listening to my cravings and started listening to what my body really wanted. And what I really wanted was things that helped to replenish the natural flora and fauna in my gut. And so I ended up spending the next six months or so uh, completely disavowing myself of, of uh, the traditional Western diet. And this is, you know, pre... pre uh, Uh, pre the paleo craze. And so I didn't really have any resources to call upon, but I was just listening to my own body. And I started eating uh, a high fat, uh, low carb diet with lots of healthy grass fed meats, um, lots of healthy, uh, really healthy eggs, and also um, eating a lot of the uh, fruits and vegetables that uh, came locally, either from uh, my parents' garden or from uh, farmers that I knew and trusted. And so I really started taking ownership over my health uh, through diet, exercise, and a stress-free lifestyle. And I sort of started letting go of all this stress about my health, about uh, whether or not I was going to die, and ended up uh, really coming out of it with a good mindset for... Accomplishing tasks because right now <laughs> everything I see is is extra. Um, I'm really excited about waking up the next day, and I, I really fight to keep myself awake because uh, I, I I have so much to live for and so much to do that I, I just feel like I wasted so much time uh, battling limes and and focusing on on <laughs> on distractions that. I realize now I really need to focus on the stuff that I really care about and uh, adding value not only to my community uh, of friends and and close relatives, but also to the world because I'm really striving to add value. I don't want to be an energy leech. I want to add value to the world, and that's really what's driving me.
0: So that experience was really a catalyst for two things mainly, is what you're saying. Uh, One, a healthy lifestyle, and uh, you also have your, I, I'm not sure if it's a blog, but you I think you're starting a podcast. It's uh, thegrassfedlifestyle.com. That's your website, right?
1: Yeah. So I have thegrassfedlifestyle.com, and um, I'm 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 really focusing on uh, creating a lifestyle brand where people who are interested in <laughs> sort of living lower stress um, and higher quality food and uh, intelligent styles of exercise can come together and uh, really get real uh, scientific information, and also really get sort of a blueprint for living uh, a lifestyle that's uh, that's uh, sort of holistic from the ground up. Um, everything that I'm doing is on on, on the grassfedlifestyle. dot uh, com is is backed up by science, and so you know I really spend. You know, because I started getting into this stuff before the paleo craze and before the CrossFit craze, I I really uh, had to do a lot of my own research. And I did a lot of my research through primary sources. And so I have lots of uh, or thousands of links to um, high quality uh, studies that really link back to uh, what's actually happening physically in your body when you ingest certain foods. when you do certain types of exercise. And so the GrassfedLifestyle.com is really sort of my portal for uh, sharing that with the people around me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I will be restarting that podcast uh, shortly, probably by the end of the first quarter of 2015. And uh, I will start uh, adding content pretty soon. Right now, I'm really focused on my uh, e-commerce stores. And the reason why is because in the past uh, six months since I moved to Chiang Mai, or sorry, seven months since I moved to Chiang Mai, uh, they've really sort of grown exponentially. And so now I've I've increased my income uh, probably seven times, Uh, from what it was when I first arrived. And so I'm really focusing on that right now so that it gives me the passive income freedom to really focus on these passion projects that I care about and really want to share with the world. Right now, I don't feel like I can give it 120%, which is uh, what I would want to do if I were to uh, start releasing content uh, right now. And so... I'm going to hold off on that until uh, a few months down the road when I'm able to really focus and dedicate my time to uh, create the the uh, portal that I want to create and you know even though earlier in this podcast I was saying people get stuck with analysis paralysis and you know they hold off because they want it to be perfect uh, I I haven't even come up with a plan yet. So right now, I'm focused on my, on my online businesses and making sure that they make money. And uh, I'm going to focus on the grassfedlifestyle.com soon. And so, uh, if anyone out there is interested in the grassfedlifestyle.com or anything that I'm talking about in terms of health and wellness and really battling with, uh, with chronic disease, you can check out, uh, the Facebook page or you can go to the grassfedlifestyle.com and, uh, you can follow me and I will start releasing stuff pretty soon.
0: And you also mentioned a very important buzzword, uh, just now where you said focus um i think it's really important where uh, entrepreneur just focuses on one thing at a time and just puts everything they have into that versus uh trying to do all these different projects and not really doing anyone anyone well and not getting either one off any of them off the ground um but going back you just you talked about the healthy lifestyle but i think the second takeaway you took from your your life-threatening experience was um you're so in tune with your drive and your, your mission now and, and giving 120% and, and providing value and abundance um, to those around you. That, that was the second lesson that you took from it, right?
1: Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste the time of the people around me. I, I really care about adding value and I really care about creating something, uh, <laughs> creating something that uh, the world needs. And so, you know, I, I sort of see the online space as uh, uh, multiple generations. And so sort of the first generation is, is people who, uh, you know, created sort of the, the the framework that we're all using today, you know, folks that uh, created the programming languages and really developed the infrastructure that we use. Sort of this, the second generation are the people who created the uh, user, user interface, the ability to interact with these programs and make it accessible to folks like myself who don't have a technical background. And now I see us in this sort of third generation. In this third generation are people who are taking all these pre-made resources and uh, and bringing them together to create something new, create something bigger, something bigger than the sum of all the parts. And really what we're trying to do is, uh, especially for myself as an e-commerce uh, as an e-commerce business owner, what I'm trying to do is create a incredible online portal that is, is better than actually physically seeing the product in a store. And what I'm trying to do is Focus on customer service, focus on creating content, focus on video content, focus on photo content, focus on incredible product descriptions, and create an online portal and creating a personal connection with every single person that that checks out my site. And so I want people that go to my e-commerce websites to really understand who I am, really understand why I'm passionate about these products, why I want to sell them these products. And um, I want them to be comfortable buying from me. And so that's sort of my my biggest kick at the moment is really creating an incredible user experience for, uh, for people who land on my websites and really creating a, a personal connection with every single person that buys from my sites. And so would you say <laughs> right that's, now um, in the last...
0: Would you say that's one of the key factors to success, especially within dropshipping space and e-commerce is not being caught up as a commodity or not... Uh, presenting yourself as a commodity and, and trying to enge- engineer the experience?
1: I think a lot of people try to, uh, well, a lot of people who get into dropshipping, they get so focused on making sales that they forget um, that sales are a byproduct of creating a incredible user experience. And so I'm ex- I'm obsessed with creating a incredible user experience and making every single time someone comes to the website or every single time someone thinks about those products they should think about me. And the reason why is because I really want to add value. I'm I'm really driven to to not just throw up another website. I'm really driven to create something new and to create something unique and to create something that can last for for months or years from now because I'm doing things that, you know, potentially are 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 innovative enough that um, my competitors won't do uh, for, for, for six months, a year, a year and a half, two years. And so I'm, I'm really trying to stay on the edge of the wave and really make sure that I'm keeping the momentum uh, going so that I can create a real passive uh, business and sort of create a moat around my e-commerce stores so that other people that try to get it in the future can't because I've created such high-quality content and such a high-quality user experience that I've sort of taken over the space.
0: So it really comes down to differentiation, right? And differentiating yourself, as you mentioned, through the, the customer experience.
1: Absolutely. And not just differentiating yourself through the customer experience, but really being obsessed with the user experience. It's not the sale. The sale is a byproduct. If I get paid monetarily, um that's that's certainly a great thing and i really appreciate that but that's not what i care about most what i care about most is the user experience and if i have you know 100 customers come to my website and 100 customers love the user experience and i have all five star reviews that's what i care about most that's the currency that i care about most because that's that is the currency that nobody can take from you those customers are my customers uh, whether I sell to them on this site or I sell to them on my next site, um, they are invested in me and my brand, and they know that i 'm going not only going to deliver on time i'm going to provide them with a user experience that's comparable to anything they can experience anywhere else they 're getting personal shopping, they really enjoy the experience when they call uh, they can call twenty four hours a day and somebody will pick up the phone and call them by name because we remember every single person that calls the website, and you know A lot of folks get focused on the sale. And, you know, money is just the byproduct of adding value.
0: I see. And um, I know you're probably a little bit reluctant to share your websites, uh, your e-commerce websites, because you don't want someone to come along and copy you. Um, But would you say that it's a big part of it? Do do you mix your personal brand with uh, your e-commerce brand a little bit?
1: (laughs) I'm... That's, that's actually funny you mentioned that because I'm sort of in the winding down process for selling one of my sites, my, my first site. And the thing is for all 586 products, I uh, made a unique product video with with me in it where I, you know, I'm talking about uh, the product and uh, I, I give a uh, sort of a sales pitch for the product. And uh, then in the about me section or the about us section, it's, it's all about me. And so... Um, Before I can sell that site, I actually need to hire somebody else or hire some other people to uh, sort of uh, be in those videos because right now... sort of the biggest lesson I've learned in the last, uh, six months or so is to remove myself from the brand so that, uh, when I do sell these sites in the future, uh, I'm not tied to the brand itself. (laughs) So, you know, that, that's something that I'm, uh, that I'm in the process of learning, but you can do the same thing and still do, uh, do an excellent job without necessarily having yourself in uh, all the, all the promotional materials, all the videos, and you don't necessarily need to sign all the emails as you. You can you know, sign them as, uh, as, as someone else or have your, your employees sign them off. Um, and you know, sort of removing yourself from the brand will actually help you out in the long run. So that's actually something that I'm going through right now, uh, dealing with removing myself from the brand, and, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> that will allow me to sell my sites in the future.
0: So do you use a, a pen name or anything when you create these videos or when you write your emails?
1: Uh, no, actually, I, <laughs> I do brand myself, and so I – I've gotten lots of uh, Facebook requests from customers and stuff like that, which is great, actually. Um, uh, I really like that because they know where I am, uh, uh, that I'm a young guy traveling and, you know, uh, uh, it creates a personal connection. But at the same time, right now, uh, I'm really focused on moving from a lifestyle business to a real business. And uh, instead of talking, you know, thousands every month, I'm talking, you know, uh, uh, possibly, you know, hundreds, if not uh, hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, uh, millions of dollars a month. And so I'm really trying to multiply revenue right now. And uh, to do that, I'm, I'm going to need to completely change my approach, but uh, keep the same core fundamentals uh, as I move forward.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so there's, there's two things I want to touch on before we uh, cap off this interview. Um, Ben, just one sec, there's there's some background noise. I'm just gonna pause for a second. Okay, I'm gonna edit that part out. (laughs) Um, So one, in your dropshipping and e-commerce business, you mentioned earlier that your income increased, uh, you said seven times since you came to Chiang Mai. How long have you been in Chiang Mai? How many months has it
1: been? I've been Chiang Mai seven months. So.
0: Seven months, <laughs> uh, wow. And you also employ seven people at the moment. Uh, what, what would you say contributed most to your success in these past seven
1: months? I think the biggest thing is writing absolutely everything that I do down. So every single time uh, I have like a customer service issue or every single time I'm uploading products from a new supplier, I create a extremely detailed SOP, um, which I'm then able to pass on to a uh, either VA in the Philippines or one of my customer service people based in the States so that I'm able to remove myself from the business. So actually right now, I have uh, six full-time employees, one part-time, uh, four in the Philippines and uh, three in the States. And so right now, what I'm able to do is Remove myself from the businesses. So, for my dropshipping businesses right now, uh, I actually, uh, to continue to make my income, uh, I actually, for the last, let's say, uh, three weeks, have not done a single thing. Uh, not had to answer one email, not had to uh, upload one product, not had to uh, deal with anything but transferring money from one account to another. And so the reason why I'm able to do that is because I've been able to uh, create detailed SOPs and then hand those SOPs off to the uh, highly qualified individual that's able to take care of those uh, that that process for me. And so now I sort of have a, um, a knowledge base and a, a skill set of outsourcing that I'm just now learning to, uh, leverage. And so I hope to do that in the future with these new ventures. And because I've been able to free up my time completely, uh, and I have a passive income business, I'm now able to think bigger. And instead of, you know, spending all my time trying to maximize the income from one of my sites and spend, you know, the next year to get 10% more return on one of these sites, instead I'm able to spend my time and, uh, also, collaborate with other people to really exponentially grow uh, my income. And so, uh, right now, uh, I partnered with a few other folks and uh, we built a new e commerce store uh, ground up, contacted suppliers, are, are approved by uh, three really high quality suppliers, um, have a, a nice Branded website, uh, high quality URL, uh, everything all set up within a week, and so we're set to make sales. It's in Merchant Center right now, being approved by Google uh, for for advertising, and so uh, within a week, uh, I was able to do what alone took me uh, took me about three months. So uh, I'm really able to sort of leverage this ability that I've uh, come up with in the last like seven months or so to to. Uh, Outsource effectively and create like high quality SOPs uh, with not only screencasts, but also screenshots and detailed descriptions to really outsource all these tasks that used to take me a long time. And so I'm not the best at data entry, I'm not the best at uh, all these other things, but I can find people that are and put them in place so that now. I'm I'm sort of putting myself in a a Steve Jobs role. So he doesn't sit there and and work on each thing technically. He comes up with the idea and delegates tasks. And so going from uh, the type of person that's doing everything yourself uh, and sort sort of being a one-man army, uh, which is what I've been training uh, myself to do for years, is is actually uh, probably not the most effective way to get stuff done. Um, Since I have started letting go and outsourcing, uh, I've seen huge growth, not only, um, myself personally, because it's freed up my time to focus on things that I care about, but also financially, because I'm able to free up my time to start thinking in terms of brand strategy and in terms of longer term, I'm able to think about, uh, starting new businesses, bigger businesses, because right now I have passive income that allows me to not only survive, but to save.
0: And by SOP, you mean uh, standing, standard operating procedure, which basically uh, breaks down the steps in uh, a certain task or something that's recurring uh, that happens in the business. And um, I think that's that's kind of a natural progression or should be a natural progression for any bootstrapped entrepreneur is that um, in the beginning you're, you're you're doing all these new things and you're learning as quickly as possible, and then you have to, to step back and make that transition to uh, systemizing the operations because you don't want to be someone who's managing everything or managing the, the monster that you've created, I suppose. You need to be able to, to free yourself to come up with ideas and, and put the pieces in place so that the business runs itself. Um, but you, you did that really fast. I mean, you did it in just three months. Um, can I ask you, which, which procedures are you most, uh, most critical as far as systemizing or creating procedures for in your particular business?
1: So basically, uh, I know it's different for every business. So I'll sort of give a general overview. Uh, For me, uh, I was successful with sort of scaling up. And the reason why is because anything that was currently making me money, uh, anything that I knew well enough and could do well enough that people would compensate me monetarily, I I knew that I knew enough that I was able to write it down and outsource. So basically anything in my business that uh, was profitable, anything, uh, let's say I was making a, um, a Google ad and I knew that Google ads were converting, I would hire somebody that's better than me at Google ads to, to focus on that part of the business so that I don't have to. I already know that it's going to make money because I'm doing it myself and I'm an amateur. If I find somebody that knows how to do it and do it well... Um, of course, I'm going to make more money than I'm currently making. And so uh, that's really sort of the principles that I was using. Anything that's currently making me money uh, that I'm doing myself, uh, I sort of either teach somebody how to do for me or I find somebody who who's highly motivated, who's interested in doing it themselves and uh, is better at it than me. And I just sort of uh, get them to do it for me. So uh Doing that, and also while I'm living out here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, living expenses are so cheap out here that I was able to reinvest in the business and focus on, uh, on growth opposed to uh, spending all my income on, <laughs> on living expenses. And so, you know, when I was living back in California just uh, seven months ago, uh, just my rent alone was $1,600 a month. And now that I'm out here in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand, my total living expenses couldn't exceed $1,600 a month if I tried. Um, So really, just by sort of minimizing my overhead in terms of living expenses, I was able to take that money and reinvest back in my business. And now it's uh, sort of snowballed to the point where I'm making significantly more than I was when I first arrived. And uh, now not only am I making enough to survive, but I'm making enough to thrive and reinvest in not only this business, but new businesses in the future.
0: Awesome. So, keeping the cost down, and then um, you mentioned something earlier when you, you, you talked about Google Ads. Uh, would you say that it's, it's just really important to, in the early days, just test, 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 find out where the, the profit is, and then, and then once you identify your, your profit sources, just invest in that?
1: Yeah, so it's it's funny that I used the uh, the example of Google Ads because I actually don't use any Google Ads for my websites, and the reason why is because there's so much competition uh, that actually what I found to be the highest converting traffic would be to find highly targeted blogs or highly targeted forums of people that are obsessed about the product that you're selling. And so, let's say you're selling um, a, a branded material. Uh, let's say you're selling um, college uh, basketball uh, t-shirts. Of course, I'm not selling college basketball t-shirts. But if I were, this is an example, uh, you wouldn't necessarily... uh, I mean, certainly you can have plenty of success uh, targeting people with Google ads or even Facebook ads. But really. Uh, what I found to be the highest converting traffic for me would be to find a forum of extremely hardcore uh, college basketball fans and putting a banner ad or being active in the forums and really focusing on finding uh, those highly pre-qualified leads that love the product already. They just don't have access to it and don't know it exists yet. So really finding the audience um, through sort of unconventional means is really something that I I think uh, a lot of people are forgetting. A lot of folks get really focused on on Google and really focused on Facebook and really focused on these other sort of strategies that uh, are really popular right now, and I'm sort of going back. So what was popular maybe a few years ago and finding uh, uh, blogs or finding, uh, finding these little niche audiences that, that all together sort of add up to create a really large, really highly targeted audience. And so that's really what I'm focusing on right now is finding my audience and really sort of finding the rabid fans and getting in front of them.
0: Okay, so these people are really passionate about this niche, uh, about this community. They're, they're really primed and, and kind of ready to buy. You don't really need to do a lot of convincing or pushing uh, to get them to sign up for your product. Is what
1: you're saying, right? Absolutely. So and I, I'm, I'm really trying to find uh, high-quality clicks and clicks that convert. And so <laughs> I'm trying to put myself and put my brands in front of the people that are already sort of pre-qualified themselves as uh, high-value high customers. And the reason why is because they're hardcore fans enough of whatever it is I'm selling that they're willing to you know, talk to other people about it or they're willing to uh, engage in, in online conversations because they're so obsessed, they, they love talking about it. And so uh, sort of finding those people, those rabid fans, and sort of expanding from there has really been what's, uh, what's been growing my business so far.
0: Okay, and I know one really good forum is uh, Reddit, uh, R-E-D-D-I-T, because there's all kinds of different categories and subcategories, and Reddit allows you to post up ads very cheaply uh, to those passionate communities. Um, what are some other forums or blogs, or, or how do you find uh, these, these audiences?
1: I'll typically do a Google search. So let's say you're, you're selling, um, uh, well, use the example we were talking about before, uh, college basketball. Then you would type in, uh, into Google college basketball blog or college basketball forum. And you would find uh, a whole bunch of different forums or a whole bunch of different blogs where people are passionate about it, where they already have audiences. And really what you're trying to do is leverage, um, their audience for your benefit. (laughs) And so, uh, whether they're, uh, a podcast owner, or somebody that has an online magazine, <laughs> or anything like that, you're really trying to link in with their audience, and really trying to uh, just let them know, hey, like you know, I, I already know that you're obsessed with these products, uh, uh, but you don't even know that you're obsessed with them yet. Uh, here, I'm creating some really high quality products, or I, I'm uh, I'm a reseller for some really high quality products that are in the same niche that you spend your free time your hard-earned free time uh talking about and so uh, or obsessing over and so i'm really trying to find those people through like online forums or through blogs and typically the way that i find that is just through a google search
0: okay gotcha awesome well this has been great i mean you've given me just a a great uh primer to e-commerce and just online business in general um Was there anything else that you wanted to add or anything else that you wanted to, um, as far as both business or just in general before we, uh, sign off?
1: No, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, I'm, I'm just really thankful for, uh, for finding this community. I mean, I, I just, I just love how positive everyone is, how constructive everyone is and, uh, you know, how, how people build each other up and, uh, you know, it's it's something that you don't see in a lot of communities and this digital nomad community that that thought leaders leaders like yourself or are, are really, really creating and really uh, solidifying. I'm sure that in years uh, to come, like you're laying the groundwork uh, for for other people to never have to do a nine to five for other people to to come at it and and go through school knowing that they wanted to be a digital nomad. And, you know, I'm really excited to see where this community is going. And right now, we're all riding this wave of positivity and growth. And I'm just really excited to see where we all land.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ben. That's such a nice thing to say. And um, I really like what you said on your blog where you, you talk about this abundance mentality and um, just being able to celebrate in the success of other people rather than, than being threatened by it and, and being able to support each other, I think it's it's amazing because, um, you know, I, I, it's, you can't really compare yourself to other people. You just have to kind of be the best version of yourself. And, you know, if, if you've ever tried to, to do anything and make a success, you know how hard it is. I mean, most people see the the end result and you know, they see the success, but you know how, you know the struggle and you know all the, the lonely nights and the fear and the doubt. and And I just think, you know, I, I call it, you call it abundance mentality, but I also call it just being an unjealous friend to other entrepreneurs. I, I think it's amazing. And um, I wanted to thank you as well, Ben, for coming on this call and everything you're doing as far as providing value and abundance to this digital nomad community.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. And, you know, I, I don't have a, a website or landing page that I'm trying to send people to, I just want to give high-quality information. So, you know, if there's any digital nomads out there that, that hear this and, and see me around either in Chiang Mai or in Vietnam or wherever we are in the world, uh, just say hi. Uh, I'm always willing to talk and always willing to give my perspective on, on business or life or, or health or wellness or anything. So uh, if anyone's out there and you see me around in the community, just say hi.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Benjamin. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's, it's been wonderful.
1: All right. Thank you, Danny. And thanks to all your listeners one more time. Uh, really loving the community.
0: Awesome. Have a great day, Benjamin. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye.